0: The Inconquerable, number 357, June 2017.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am not your host, Jason Snell. No, I am Erica Ensign, and I'm usually a panelist here on The Incomparable. But alas, our fearless leader is not able to be with us today. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that one thing we do very rarely is talk about current movies, films that are in the theater now. And that is because it is so hard to find time for enough of us to get to the theater and watch them in time to record a sort of timely podcast about a new movie. But this is one of those rare occasions we are going to do just that. We are here to talk about Wonder Woman, starring Gal Gadot and directed by Patty Jenkins. I think Jason would probably have liked to have been here, but there's this little thing this week called WWDC, and apparently that doesn't stand for Wonder Woman from Detective Comics. Who knew? So
2: Yeah, what's that about? Yeah,
1: so while the host is away, the panelists will play. And I have a fine assortment of panelists joining me today to talk about this blockbuster film. Uh, first of all, we have Shannon Sutterth. Welcome back to the podcast, Shannon. Hola, freakies. (laughs) And you heard his voice a moment ago. David J. Lohr is here. What,
2: what, that? Oh, oh, that's a watch.
1: That's my watch. Nice. Alyssa Frankie. welcome. Welcome to The Incomparable. Hello. And Kelly Gamont. How do you do, (laughs) buckaroos? And last but not least, I dragged my spouse along. Stephen Schapansky, Hello.
3: Nenu, Nenu.
1: Uh, yeah, off the rails already and we're barely done with uh, <laughs> with introductions. But hey, that means I'm, I'm pretty much on pace for uh, many a typical Jason introduction, so I don't feel so terrible
0: about it.
1: <laughs> uh, but no, no, no. As I said, yes, we are here to talk about Wonder Woman. And there are a lot of us who not only were excited to see the film, but actually got to see it on opening weekend at least once i think maybe some of us have seen it more than that so uh i think we're going to go around and and do some some maybe john Syracuse style opening statements or just some some rough overall stuff before we jump into spoiler territory so so don't don't jump in with the spoilers right away but i would like to to kind of hear what your your opinions are in a general sense and and how many times you've seen this what it was sort of the experience was like in the theater
4: anyone want to jump in basically, I have been dying for this movie ever since it got greenlit. I am a Wonder Woman fan, going all the way back to my childhood. Uh, Super Friends, the Linda Carter TV show, subscribed to the comics for a while, um, followed the DC Animated Universe, uh, just because I loved the character so much. And um, the movie lived up to my expectations beautifully. I've left the theater, I've only seen it once so far, but I'm going back. And it totally, totally satisfied me. Awesome. Kelly, did you see this more than once? Yeah. I did. I saw it three times. Holy cats. Um.
2: (laughs) You're a hero. Indeed. That's Um, about seven hours.
5: Yeah. So the first time was um, I have a regular movie going buddy. So we will go in the afternoon when it's cheaper because our schedules will flex that way. Mm -hmm. And he was complaining about having nobody to go to movies with. So we've gone and seen stuff. And uh, he shot me a note and said, hey, I'm going Thursday night. We've got a bunch of people getting together. Do you want to go? And I'm like, sure. So I showed up. And so um, I actually got to see it with
1: Greg Rucka. Whoa. (laughs) Please (laughs) please tell tell those in the audience who who don't know who that is. um he 's a big deal uh,
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. let 's go with that um he He writes Wonder Woman currently and uh, actually got to see the film earlier this year and uh said that they hadn't really made any substantive changes so he was looking forward to it with the score and some some finished cg and stuff because it didn't have music when he saw it and Mm -hmm. and was talking about how um when he went in they really kind of had to he felt like they were going to really have to work to impress him and then they did and so he's Mm -hmm. been excited about it for ages and of course couldn't really say much about it to anybody so that was really great um and he's so nice and super friendly and like it was really great i'd never met him before and i got a chance to actually sit with him and and we chatted a little before and after the movie and he's so nice so like on top of everything else like that was really great um and then i saw it on friday with some friends of mine and then again on saturday with some friends of mine and one thing that i noticed is i saw it the first time in a local theater like an independent theater that's not a Searchlight or a Cinemark or any of those And then I saw the other The other two times I saw it in Cinemark theaters And wow I just sort of forgot How many commercials there were (laughs) Um, Before those movies When you go to big places Um, I really enjoyed getting to see A movie where A woman was front and center And the whole thing wasn't about How is the woman going to respond to this And I really felt like the performance of our two main characters was balanced i feel like steve trevor uh chris pine did a really good job of i don't know how to describe it but like he knew it wasn't his movie <laughs> and right. Right. like i feel yeah. like that was kind of an important thing because it's not often that the guy that particularly if you're chris pine who spent three movies as the center of the film is captain kirk you know um feeling le- like it was sort of interesting to watch him play second fiddle and so um, that was also a really interesting part of it. I want to get into specific stuff later so I'm just going to leave it at I really enjoyed it and I would not be sad at all if I had accidentally ended up with plans to see it a fourth time today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I saw it Friday night and I loved it and I, one of the things I was I was really impressed by was the chemistry between the two of them I thought that was delightful. Uh, there there were there were moments straight out of a 30s or 40s film and sometimes a screwball comedy and sometimes a drama and they they carried them beautifully. And and you you're exactly right about him knowing that it's not his film and playing that brilliantly i i kind of wish his jim kirk were a little bit more like steve trevor at least in the first two movies it was a little better in star trek beyond but the jj abrams movies he's Mm -hmm. a little little too bro and this was much more this this is a hero this is a good Mm -hmm. character
4: yeah yeah
5: i had a little eye rolling when i heard that he'd been cast because at that point all we had was two star trek movies and a jack ryan movie right you know to sort of look at and it was And I'm like, oh, that hurts a little, you know, I wasn't (laughs) sure how they were going to do that. But I was I was really impressed with him. And I actually came out of that with a much higher estimation of Chris Pine than I did going in.
1: Nice. Alyssa, what was your experience like?
6: So, I saw it on Friday. Um, It was a birthday party, actually, for one of my gal friends. Um, And walking into the theater, it was an amazing experience in and of itself. There was these two little girls that were running up the street alongside me, and they ran up, and they ran to the movie poster, and they started shrieking, and they ran up to the ticket box, and they started shrieking, and they were (laughs) jumping up and down, like, absolutely gleeful just to be able to go and see this. Um, the movie theater was not all women. Uh, unfortunately we did not get one of those showings, uh, Mm -hmm. where I am. Um, but the women kind of took it over. Um, it was a very vocal audience, uh, but sort of in the best way possible. Uh, there was a lot of cheering for the uh, fan service we had uh, with a lovely scene with Chris Pine. Um, and <laughs> We'll talk more was, about that
0: later.
1: <laughs> we
6: talk more about it later, but it, it was very vocally appreciated by the women in my audience. Uh, They're fans of watches. <laughs> there's so many fans of watches in that theater. Yeah. Um, and everyone was just... Powered up, like every single fight scene, every single amazing moment from Wonder Woman. You could just hear the appreciation in the audience, just everyone absolutely losing it. So I was really excited. You know, I think we've had a lot of women in superhero movies. This is the first time I felt uh, that this was a very focused female superhero movie that was... uh, really designed to empower women and make them feel really like the stars of this. You know, we've talked a little bit, but, like, he always feels like the second fiddle guy sort of comes in and takes a lot of the space in uh, these movies. But the journey was entirely about Wonder Woman, uh, and I just came out of there feeling absolutely fired up and amazing. It was so exciting, and I loved it.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I I was kind of amazed, actually, that our—I went to an independent theater, too— not crowded, it was kind of a weird time time of day, but it was it was a fairly gender-balanced group, but there were a lot of little girls, and as the movie went on, they got louder and louder and louder, and just happier, <laughs> and cheering, and clapping, and everybody clapped at the end of the movie. It was like, it's not often I've been in a theater here in Indiana where that happens, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Stephen, I know you saw this once with me, and I don't think mm-hmm. either one of us really knew anything about it going in, did you?
3: I uh, the only thing I knew about Wonder Woman is Linda Carter because I used to watch Wonder Woman when I was five or six and I had such yeah. a crush on her years before yeah. I knew why I should have a crush on her. <laughs> you are Canadian me, and then uh, the uh, then I've played Lego Dimensions where Wonder Woman is a character. This is so I and then there was this movie and and you told me Erica that uh, we're going to this movie because you know it's important that we support this with the dolls and I said sure, absolutely let's watch it. I had never seen a DC movie before of the current DC EU. Um, oh, so already it's the best DC movie that I've seen. Uh, <laughs> Technically, it's
1: also the worst, though, I suppose. It is.
3: But <laughs> if, it, if it was a Marvel Universe we'll movie, of that. which I've seen every single one, this would be the best Marvel movie I think <laughs> I've seen, too. Wow. Um, it was really really good. I think by about 20 or 25 minutes in, I was hooked, um, and and, uh, I I just adored that film to bits. Possibly the most out of the three of us, you, me, and our friend Annette, um, which kind of surprised me. I thought you were both really full on on board with this as much as I was, but I think um, my level of enthusiasm topped yours.
1: Yeah, we walked out of the theater, and Annette and I were kind of nodding like, yeah, that was was all right. And Stephen was like, he had stars in his eyes, and he was floating through the (laughs) parking lot. So,
0: <laughs>
2: well, Chris Pine is a handsome man. <laughs>
0: well, to be fair. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. this is this is the first female superhero starring film since, well, I mean, I guess technically we had Electra, uh, but I was going to say Supergirl in <laughs> 1984. Um so this is this is this was a big deal from even before like the moment that it got greenlit and not only is it uh starring Gal Gadot, a whose name I have been pronouncing wrong. A lot, So I apologize. And I didn't run <laughs> that on purpose. Um, but it's also directed by a woman, which I think is, is kind of an interesting thing. So we've got some double standards that have been uh, that it's been sort of subjected to even before it hit the theaters and even before anybody anybody saw it.
6: I mean, you you'd be surprised by some of the reviews. You know, there's a lot of positive Reviews And certainly the movie has made enough money that I don't think anybody is seriously going to say that this wasn't successful. But there's already people attributing the success of the movie to Zack Snyder. There are people saying that yeah. Jenkins is being hired as a sort of political correctness nod um, and that
4: they can't attribute the success of the movie to her. So I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Uh, the feel yeah. of the movie is Obviously, obviously a woman's viewpoint. There was not a yeah. single shot in those fight scenes of deliberate let's get a close up of her boobs. Let's get mm-hmm. a close up, you know, of, of, of this part of her body. Uh the warriors, the Amazons fought like warriors fought just you know there was no titillation there was nothing about those fight scenes designed to say looky here look at the girls um, yeah and you know it, it takes so long for that to sink in because we are so used to how you know it goes back to comics how a lot of male artists draw women in comics um, that's been transferred a good deal to the movie universe to the Marvel movies um, of you know showing off the pretty women's figure instead of showing off that she can kick ass. It's going to be the, the top
5: grossing movie this weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that because that's yeah. just math. That's, that's an objective thing. That's not something like... Oh, you're just saying you like it because it's because you're a girl, or because mm-hmm. you like her, or because this, or because that. Like, you can't dismiss math. Math is not <laughs> math well, is not subject to. My I opinion. don't know. In this society, we can
4: try. But. <laughs> but <laughs> I know and, someone and, will want to,
5: but yeah. like, this is one of the few things where like you can't just chalk this up to me myself going, well, I really liked it. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but there's no but. I'm not alone here. Right. This yeah. is not
2: a cult movie. This is not yeah. a movie that lives underground and gets rediscovered 20 years later. This is a hit out of the box yeah mm-hmm.
5: and
6: it's, it's all the, the more, one cautionary the one cautionary thing i'll say mm-hmm. is that not to bring anybody down but just to fire you up for the next battles that need to be fought <laughs> is that hollywood sort of has a history of taking movies that were successfully directed by women on their first go and giving subsequent movies to male directors um this happened uh with twilight even though you know shattered records for the time, raised a ton of money, and was seen, you know, generally as a success. Subsequent movies getting passed on to male directors and the female director getting quite a bit of uh, negative press related to that, of saying that, you know, just couldn't work with uh, them moving forward, so keep fighting,
4: so that Patty Jenkins can direct everything. Yeah, whatever comes next after Justice League, like you know, we get the November Justice League, and then she directs the next one.
2: Yeah, well, it's like I will. We'll get to my Zack Snyder issue later. I I have a Syracuse <laughs> statement on Zack Snyder, but but the things that I loved in this movie were clearly all Patty Jenkins and all filtered through that sensibility. And I I have a friend who. She doesn't she's not a big movie person. She's really not a big superhero movie person. And I said, you know, you might enjoy this partly because I mean, the superhero stuff is superhero. It's great. It's fine. It's the human stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's there is a a believability and plausibility in everything about the, the human characters. And then in Diana's discovering the human world. Uh, that you don't get in a lot of superhero movies. And, I mean, just the range of types of characters that surround her in this movie. When have we seen that in a superhero movie? It's it's mm-hmm. really
3: lovely. And then there's then there's a little bit that's Zack snyder So And she, well, she does a great job at the, the action sequences. Usually action yes. sequences in comic book movies bore me to tears because they usually have an inevitable outcome which is usually nobody wins or nobody loses and they're just you know smashing part cars for a few minutes before before it ends here there's almost like a balletic style to it where they just sort of slows down as they sort of hover in midair and we focus on a move a little bit and then boom it returns to like normal speed again like it, it never felt dizzying or disorientating or boring in any way there was always mm-hmm. just enough of those little moves put into fight scenes that it always just was super interesting and fun to watch
2: with there are moments in there that uh, almost look like Alex Ross paintings come to life
0: Ooh, which if, good if, comparison. if you,
2: if you yeah. don't know Alex Ross go look him up you know you've seen his stuff uh, he does all the covers for Aster City he did Kingdom Come and and it's amazing to me that they managed to get that look and that style in a lot of the fight sequences in this and a lot of the sort of slowed down um, almost glory shots right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Just I'd- gorgeous
6: I think another important thing is uh, you're right, Steven, they had consequences. It's not just bashing up cars for five minutes and then we move on. Every fight scene had consequences and they showed the true sort of human horror of all the destruction that they're going through. I think my big problem with Marvel movies lately has it, it's been, you know, one big city destruction after another and you just sort of move on. And there hasn't been right. a lot of focus right. on the horror that they must be witnessing there. Um, and Wonder Woman wasn't afraid of that. It didn't shy away from that. It
4: really focused in on that horrific element to every single fight scene, which was in keeping with the, the tone of the movie. You know, setting it during World War One and having the whole reason for Diana to emerge from Themyscira uh, to try and stop this huge horrific war. They they didn't they didn't sugarcoat it. That was
5: the thing that I really noticed in this was aftermath
4: there's mm-hmm. there's yes. a fair amount of like
5: aftermath and consequence that's very visible and very upfront, which i thought was impressive but the thing i liked about the fight scenes was they were longer shots like, yes mm-hmm. usually yes. i end up checking out of fight scenes because you're showing me a fraction of a second and then a new angle or a new place where fighting is happening and then you come back and jerk and jerk and like i have add and i can't keep up and so i end up just sort of letting it go by and not really paying attention until the fighting stops, and there's no consequences, so we just go back to whatever story's happening. So I really liked the the speed manipulation, and I also liked uh, getting to actually see what was going on and understand what was going on, and then see and understand those consequences afterwards. Like Altogether, it was much more impactful to watch the fighting in this film than in a lot of others.
2: It's It's the same reason Fred Astaire insisted on full-frame, long-shot uh take camera takes for all the dance sequences in his films because you need to see the whole thing it's not mm-hmm. elements right mm-hmm. you don't get anything from that you don't get anything from quick cuts you need to see the whole performance and and in your brain realize what went into making that yeah. right yes. and that's a problem with a lot of superhero movies these days and just a lot of action movies these days is that it's so much quick cutting and there's no you 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 don't have to be decent at this to be able to pull that off
1: Mm-hmm. Right. yeah you can mask a lot with uh, with a lot of quick cutting and I tend to be the yeah. first person to say that action sequences are boring of any kind yes and yet honestly I think they were my favorite parts of the film and I mean I kind of oh, I wow. kind of walked out going you know I wonder if all of the other superhero films like had all of the the dude heroes with long flowing hair and skirts and super kicky boots if I would, uh, if I would appreciate <laughs> if I would appreciate them a little more and that might help but I do think that it was the the framing and the the sense of place that you have in, in each one of the action sequences that, that made me more rooted in it. Um, So before we, before we talk more about the consequences of the action sequences, uh, we should probably blow the spoiler horn, but before that, is there anything else that anybody wants to say as sort of an opening statement type of a thing?
4: Quick shout out, you know, we've mentioned here and there, the acting, but I think Gal Gadot and Chris Pine, um, Kelly earlier mentioned balance. And I think that's just such a key element in the writing and the performances that the actors brought to the roles because you have this amazing balance of things that make up Wonder Woman. You've got all of this education and wisdom from centuries of growing up with the Amazons, and you smash that against her total ignorance of the rest of the outside world and just the, her innocence and the delight she takes in so many things that she sees compared to, you know, the things that, that bother her or, you know, are horrify her. And you know, Chris Pine, uh, this Steve Trevor—I love this Steve Trevor— um, <laughs> again not taking over the movie he is just enough of a flirt um he is smart he is capable he's not played to be some doofy sidekick that it drags her down um they wind up making a really good team together and it it all just balances so very well
7: hey everybody it's jason i'm here remotely it's going well so far don't you think but i need to tell you about our sponsor Yes, I've been pulled back to tell you about our sponsor. Our sponsor this week on The Incomparable, Casper. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink, just the right bounce. You can try it for 100 nights, risk-free in your own home. That's right, more than three months you can sleep on this thing, and if you decide you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. Casper knows you need to sleep on a mattress before you commit, especially considering that you're going to spend a third of your life sleeping on it. There's free shipping and returns, to anyone in the U.S. or Canada with over 20,000 reviews, an average of 4.8 stars. It is perhaps the internet's favorite mattress. I've been sleeping on one for a couple of years now. I love it. It's so much better than my old mattress. I was happy to try it out and I decided I was keeping it and they couldn't take it away from me. Here is a great deal for incomparable listeners. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to www.casper.com Snell and use offer for code snell at checkout terms and conditions apply thank you to casper for sponsoring the incomparable
1: all right well i think that's a, a very good note to uh to bring us to the other uh, part of the podcast which will balance out this first pot part and that is <laughs> after the spoiler horn so if you don't want to be spoiled go see the movie really just go go see it go okay so i i I know that quite often when we talk about movies on this podcast, Jason sort of takes us through them sequentially after only one viewing for some of us. That's going to be a tough mm-hmm. thing to do. But I do think that we <laughs> that we should start with with kind of the framing element. We have the, the very beginning, the very end of the movie, which I assume is sort of set uh, in around the same time as uh, Man of Steel and... Um, Batman versus that Superman. other film that yeah. doesn't exist.
5: Those, those. Things. I assumed right. it was slightly after the film "We Dare Not Speak Its Name." Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep, that yeah. one. Uh, and we do have that, th- th- which I didn't understand what it was, and I didn't know that if it was uh, if it was following on to a conversation since I didn't see that movie that we don't want to name. Uh, but she gets this really cool picture, which later on at the end of the movie we find out that it's her and and all of her buddies from World War One, which was kind of a I thought that was a nice framing touch to sort of ground it in the world of the DC movies that exist now in a way that absolutely makes no difference to the story that's being told in this film. Right. Right.
4: Right, yeah. Basically, I went looking. Um, YouTube very handily has um, a few compilations of just the Wonder Woman minutes from yes. That, that, yes. that movie. So you know, that's all I needed. That's all I needed. Um, but yes, apparently Lex Luthor had found this um, photo, and Bruce Wayne managed to get a copy of it, and then you uh. know sends it sends it to her to say you know found this, um, want to hear the story sometime. And as you said, it's a really neat little framing device for the people who are in into comics and into the dc world and it does not distract the people who aren't sure what's going on
2: i i was okay with the photograph and everything else about the sequence was like shut up and start my movie i don't mm-hmm. care <laughs> i don't give a, i don't give a flying something about any of this kick uh because the the yeah, yeah. and, and
4: flying drop kick yeah. I think it, it was short enough for me. It was short yeah, enough I mean, not to. And it was short.
2: It got a, it got out of the way. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't need any
3: of the narration. You know mm-hmm. that was extraneous.
4: Oh, I, I was
3: okay with it. I knew nothing of this universe going in. So someone going in blind to this this movie and this universe, I was perfectly okay with the amount spent on the sort of the. Prologue, and then the sort of the, the origin story aspect of it. I thought that was right. totally nicely paced. And,
2: you know, they they kind of had to do it because they've already set her in our present day. Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. there had to be some kind of explanation and some kind of setup. And the, yeah, I get it, I get it. I just don't <laughs> think any of the other movies exist. So, <laughs>
5: right. but one of the things I liked about how they did that with the with the case was. A Wayne Industries truck yeah. rolls up. That's all you need, right. people. Yeah. Like, right. even if you don't know about that film, um, you still know, like, <laughs> you, Wayne you've seen Industries some other ones. Isn't that Batman, mm-hmm. and then like you can kind of, like you can kind of put together, like, oh, that's right. Like, she's not, she doesn't run with the Avengers. She runs with like Batman and them. So. Like I felt like it was a nice way to set it up because even people who don't necessarily know about the other movies would still be able to be like, "Oh, that's Batman," and like know that. Well, and I thought that that was and, really nice.
2: And I don't know about the rest of you. Uh, the last trailer before our showing was Justice League, so it so it was sort of <laughs> yeah, like a little bit of yep. teaser to that. <gasps>
6: It was kind of funny because I felt like I was watching the trailer for the sequel before I've watched the movie that I'm there to see in the first place.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I, and I, again, I much rather wanted to see the movie I was there to see.
5: But I was very curious, you know, what was in the case? Like, what could Batman be sending her? Like, I don't know. To me, it was, it was sort of interesting to figure out like what that was going to be. So I was, I was interested in that first bit. But when I first started hearing the narration, I sort of thought, like, is this going to start like lord of the rings where we have to spend five minutes listening to a disembodied voice tell me what's what before we get in because like i don't know how much of this i need to know and then the armored truck (laughs) rolled up and then i was sort of interested like what is wayne industries doing you know and so for me it was a little bit different so i was like my moment of dread was probably much shorter than shorter than yours david
2: Well, and I I, the the thing with the narration was it's like, okay, well, who this is one of the things I learned when I started writing one person shows. Who is the person talking to? And at the end, we find out that none of that narration is in the email to Bruce. So who is she talking to? We don't know. I thought that was just
1: her. I thought that was just sort of her her inner monologue, her her sort of. I
2: I mean, it could be. (laughs) It just didn't Mm -hmm. connect to anything. I think you could do that without any narration whatsoever and it would still work. It would actually work better, Mm -hmm. I think.
1: Maybe. Well, let's let's jump into the uh, to to the, the and her, her life with the Amazons. It starts off with an adorable adorable child. Oh actress. yes, oh my god, yes, yeah, oh very fantastic. precocious little Diana who really really wants to fight. And as soon as she starts peeking over the wall and and sees her her aunt played by Robin Wright um, as an uh, entire who I did just, not
4: recognize. I'm still kicking oh, see, myself that
1: I did not recognize.
4: And I recognized her (laughs) right away
1: and was just like, run, right? Because I didn't know she was going to be in this. I was like, she's in this. And then not only was she in it, but she was playing an older woman with, you know, battle scars and wrinkles and, you know, like somewhat, you know, flabby arms a little bit. And not very, not very. Um, But she she looked like an older woman who was absolutely kicking ass. Just no question about it. Oh, all of it. Mm -hmm. All of it.
4: Yeah. Yep the casting of the amazons in general there were star athletes hidden among the like there's a uh, Mm -hmm. prize-winning boxer uh in there Um, all of these women again female director directing women warriors not women just dressed up in cute leather armor and and standing around imposing.
5: right and when i think of like all of the fighting that happens like one of the moments i think of is robin wright when she flips through the air and shoots the three arrows at once oh, like that yes. that is so uh, every time remember i've seen it three times and every time <laughs> i was like bre- like it was breathtaking every time and that's why that's one of those super standout moments is because like even when like i know I, I know what's coming and i know what's coming because now i've seen it twice before still like <gasps> every time when like launched up into the air and it's just amazing. And watching that was, I know it was a little bit 3d service, but at the same time, holy, wow. It's mm-hmm. just one of the like iconic. When I think of like the, the still frames from this movie, that's one of the, the first ones that comes to mind. I think one of the things that really struck me about this was sort of
6: the diversity in the background. Of right. It. You know, they really work to bring in, uh, various different types of women uh, from all races and ethnicities Uh, and while I'll be the first to say I loved the Warriors to pieces they also show they also showed a fuller, richer Themyscira. You know, you had mm-hmm. senators, you had teachers, you had academics, you had this whole society that was there, that women were active in all parts of it. Um, of course, because there's only women, but how often do you get to see that sort of ancient Greek styled society where women are in all of those ro- roles and you're not seeing, you know, old white men with big long beards taking mm-hmm. on all of those positions. Right. So, that, to me, was just amazing that they made it so rich and we took the time to fully develop this world
1: that they were living in. Mm-hmm. I was actually surprised at how much of the movie took place there. I, yes. They, mm-hmm. they, I mean, because it's not like they showed her, her entire youth and, and all of her growing up, but they gave you quite a grounding in who this person was from from a child who is you know really interested in fighting to a teenager to... The woman that we eventually see absolutely kicking butt, you know, better than anybody else. And, you know, I liked that they just sort of dribbled out hints about what her actual history was. And we sort of, you know, for those of us who didn't already know, discovered it along with her. And I recognize that right. the comic books have had multiple different versions of of her origin story depending on where you are in the the comic book canon but i i liked that uh the way that that it was sort of dribbled out before we even get the plane crash um and and before things start start happening on the island
2: it was it was a very smart way of starting a very uh meditative contemplative you you kind of got into the life of the island which was a lovely way to establish everything, and and I think this was a very good. This this might be my favorite version of the origin. It it just mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense mm-hmm. to me, the way some of them did not.
4: Yeah, it's, I'm very, very relieved that they did not go the route of Diana entering this competition to see who would win the right to take Steve back and masking herself because her mother forbade yeah. her to, you know, they they went to it more directly. You know, her mother saying, look, you can't do this. Um, and Diana basically turning around and saying, well, yes, I'm going to try. Um, so, yeah, I, I love how they handled um the decision for her to go out um and take take Steve Trevor back to the real world.
3: Yeah. She had she had a, she had agency throughout the whole first part of the film you know she was doing what she wanted to do which was nice she wasn't sort of pushed into it or like forced into it that was her choice and i love how her mother and the leader of the of the the colony or whatever it's what is it called the (laughs) island
2: the uh, the the, the, the island of the amazons
3: the island of the amazons was was you know sad and that she was going but knew that she couldn't stop her i i really like that aspect of it
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that it was important to establish the place that she came from and, and the person that she was before leaving because so much of yeah. the rest of the movie is about how she deals with the world outside of her island. And if you didn't have mm-hmm. a good grounding in that, it wouldn't it wouldn't play out quite as well. Um, so the moment that you see this airplane fly through and crash, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, an almost jarring moment because I had sort of been lulled into a sense of this place so well that I was like oh yeah this is this is nice I I like the blue skies and the and then the first time they cut to the outside uh and and you see like what the boats out there are and I was just it was incredibly jarring incredibly jarring Mm -hmm. which I guess it was for her too because she'd never she'd never seen a man before
6: yeah one thing I did like about how they established Themyscira was that they um leaned very, very subtly into sort of the queer themes of this whole island. Uh, Ruck has been explicit in his run that Themyscira was going to be a place without heteronormativity. Mm -hmm. So marriage wouldn't be called gay marriage on an island full of women. It's just going to be marriage. Um, There was (laughs) there was one moment when Robin Wright is killed um, where you have her mother and Diana coming um, but there's also another random unnamed woman mm-hmm. who yeah. comes up and my first thought when I saw that was wife that's definitely yep. gotta be her wife mm-hmm. right. and uh, there was also that really just f- everything about the boat scene um, when <laughs> Diana and Steve <laughs> was yeah. excellent uh, the, the whole line of uh Men are necessary for procreation, but unnecessary for pleasure. That was the line where my audience completely lost their. <laughs> like all the girls were yelling. One girl was like, "Yeah, girl!" Like
4: the whole yeah, our theater did the that. same thing. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've got a grin as about to split my face, and Chips just sort of looking down <laughs> next to me. Honestly, <laughs>
2: well, I just laughed. I was like, "Yeah, that's about right." I, I think he I found the, it funny, uh, but still, <laughs> I love the one review that was like, confusingly, she says that. This. And it's like, without even looking, I'm like, oh, that review was written by a man.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah
2: who
1: <laughs> was? Like, by that.
2: Uh, the, whoever reviewed it for The Guardian.
1: Oh, jeepers.
5: Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw that go by, and it was really mm. awful. Yeah. One of the things That, that might be that, my, that my favorite review, is, just because it made me laugh the most. <laughs>
1: <laughs> True.
0: But it was
5: one of the ones that mentioned something that we mentioned earlier as a good thing, which was they didn't shoot her all sexy-like. At any point, and that's one of the, like, dings against it in this review, which should tell you all you need to know about this review. (sighs) I didn't shoot her for drools or something. I don't remember exactly what the phrase was, but A, it was grammatically awful. B, it was an awful image to try to put in someone's head. And C, this movie didn't need that unless you're going to start doing that to Thor. So... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, and th-
3: I, think, I think I think that review like referred to like it ignored the S and M origins of the comic or something. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Like so have
5: most following versions of the comics <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
3: And, and
2: I gotta say, uh, there is no way to shoot Gal Gadot poorly. So
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean,
2: what is his problem? And do you want proof of that? She was five
5: months pregnant when they did some of the reshoots, mm-hmm. and they green screened her, Tommy so that they could get the, the shots in. So, yeah, think about that for a minute. Some of what she was doing there was more than halfway through a pregnancy, and she still, yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> wow. Well, and and some of it was her fight double. She's mm-hmm. not actually the greatest stage combat person, but
3: they, <laughs> they did a very good job of masking that, too. But
5: I believed it, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah it was totally believable. Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan, too, and he wasn't the best sword fighter. He was,
0: yeah. great. He was great in this. <laughs> before so before great. we
1: leave the Mascara, which we probably should before too long, or this podcast is going to be as long as the movie, and we don't want that. And we can't go back yeah, <laughs> once right. we do. Uh, <laughs> we, we have to talk about the uh, the purple hot tub scene. Um, we've mentioned the watch.
0: <laughs> but I, Please,
1: let's talk about that scene. I think I think it is important that you know we... But, we mentioned that we we haven't we didn't have shots of, of gal gadot that were all like you know cheesecakey and and we didn't we really didn't have terribly cheese or beef cakey i guess uh shots of of chris pine either but he was the one that was sort of the most um objectified exposed oh screen. yeah it's certainly the most <laughs> exposed um how did your how did your theaters react to that i'm curious
2: oh ours howled ours yes. thought that was hilarious <laughs> yes and
4: <laughs> lots of giggles
1: you
2: know, um and and especially when because because it's framed very carefully in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then when it goes to the full shot, and you could hear kind of gasps in the back of the room going, "Oh my God! They did the full shot!"
4: Right? <laughs> yeah.
2: And and but you know, and again, played it beautifully, underplayed. You know, it was just it was exactly the right tone for
0: it.
6: It was. There were very appreciative women and a few appreciative <laughs> men in my audience. Yes,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> we had the same. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. And even the, you know, the the careful framing uh, of her looking down and you can't see what she's looking at and saying what's that right. and of course we, you know, mentioned the yep. watch and and it's oh, <laughs> oh, it's a it's a watch and and that's that is sort of the first moment that you get a little bit of of the adorable um sort of it, naivete i guess that's not really the word that i innocence. want to use but innocence, innocence. yes yeah. her, her innocence about some of the things that happen off of off of her island and you know you let this little little thing tell you what to do and and when to do it and yeah. and that was it was which <laughs> has another double meaning to that was one of my favorite moments. you let that little thing
5: tell you what to do yeah
2: and i gotta say i am not at all inclined to that way and even i kind of went wow he's pretty
5: <laughs> yeah, he is in fact above average.
2: Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, it was a great.
2: We look. share that. Mm-hmm.
1: That that got a great uh, got, got a great laugh in our in our theater as well. Um, that did. Yep. Yeah. So of course she decides for herself that the, you know mom, you can't tell me what I do. I do what I want. I'm going to go and uh, and decides to leave. Which and I I I didn't know if she was just going to sneak off and I was really glad that she didn't because she got the goodbye scene with you know oh. all of these people that she is leaving behind forever and ever Now,
5: I actually have a question for you guys about that because this is a thing that I've wondered about and I'm sort of taking this informal poll so mom says uh, you know that if you leave you may never return now mm-hmm. does she mean you can't or does she mean it's possible you won't because I couldn't really tell if what she meant was your ticket mm-hmm. out is one way or if she meant it's possible that once you leave you know you you may never be able to find your way back here and I couldn't really tell what she
4: meant I took it, it as it possible else? I took okay. it as possible yeah that you you might not come back
1: yeah and I thought so too right. because I thought the it, I thought it was carefully written to sort of leave that door open. And certainly the way the line was delivered, I thought I thought that there was a bit of an emphasis on May. So I, I didn't think that it meant that the door was closed, which makes me happy because I would I mean, honestly, I would be happy with an entire movie on Themyscira
0: because I would have a. I would right. totally
5: have a Rogue One or yeah, Rogue mm-hmm. One style movie of of just stuff that happens on Themyscira, like the the war we heard about with the book. Mm hmm. Yes. You know, like the book was a really nice sequence, which I think is probably not going to get the attention it deserves instantly.
3: Yeah, Um, I I think she probably realized that at some point while um, Diana was out in the real world, so to speak, she would discover her true identity and her true destiny. And, you know, as a god who would want to come back to, you know, the cocoon again, so to speak, I think there'd be a much greater world for her out there.
5: And I loved her question who would I be if I stayed? Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Yes, and it might be metaphorical right. too. You know, right. the fact that she is a god—you you, you, you may never come back, as in you may never come back to this philosophy, this world, as a metaphorical this existence. state. This yeah. existence,
2: exactly. Right. You can't go yeah. home
1: again. And
2: and I can't yep. I can't imagine that they would totally close the door on ever returning there as a plot device. Uh, mm-hmm. But it it works either way. It works if they want to mm-hmm. go back. It works if they never go
1: back. I mean, it did yeah. seem kind of. I, I was interested that it uh, that everybody from the army was just or the navy, I guess, was was able to just plow right <laughs> in there. I assumed that they were protected by something, but I guess they're just disguised. Is that the case? Because boom. Well,
2: it's it's that that sort of a cloaking device, or mm-hmm. you know, the the fog, right?
1: Yeah. So it seems like if she could find her way back to that same location, she might be able to to just yeah. warn her back in but but as you said Stephen, you know she probably won't won't be the same person regardless you know it's like when you go home from college for the first time you're just not the same person anymore right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yes then we get the lovely lovely boat scene um uh, with the two of them uh-huh. and yes. the whole oh and that was beautiful <laughs> mean, that, i mean that you was, was sleep next to me that was
2: that was like straight out of a preston sturges film Mm-hmm. Right, just this very just crackling comic dialogue, but also human, and and mm. just filled with character, and and I mean even his sort of fumbling and going well, 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 I'm I'm above average, right? You know, <laughs> just sort of like trying trying not to be the matinee idol, which
1: right? was nice. Yep, and I knew I knew that Chris Pine could do comedy because he he yes. is funny in in a lot of places in the Star Trek films but this was a different kind of comedy which I I really appreciated. I I will admit that I I I had trouble differentiating Steve here from from Kirk because that's the only (laughs) thing I'd ever seen him as so I really did keep seeing him as Kirk most of the way through the movie but that doesn't mean I enjoyed his performance any less he was still he was really good and no he wasn't playing exactly the same character it was just in my mind Uh, but it was moments like that that helped
4: yeah, and I had the opposite effect. I kept marveling about, you know, that, you know, this is not Kirk-like. This is he, Steve Trevor. He's got this totally new character going, and I love it.
2: This this is, I, I always think of this when I see things like this. My mother used to say this about some actors, She and she thought that about George Clooney. She would totally have thought this about Chris Pine, that they are just, there, there's a performance that where they become a, a movie star. And this might be it it's it's that same kind of you know it's a very casual very you know totally at ease uh Clooney has the same kind of comfort in these kind of roles
3: yeah it's 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 It shows that, you know, if if there are any guys watching this movie, that you don't need to do what many generations of men have done. Well, actually, you do need to do what many generations of men have told women over the decades and millennia, is to know your place. Uh, There Mm. is a place for men. And, you know, he's not subservient. He's not, as you said earlier, Alyssa, he's not weak. He... Is strong at his role, but he knows where he isn't, and that's where Diana comes in. Um, for me, I think—I mean, I, I love—I love the, the movie and, and everything else, but I think honestly, the the role of. Steve Trevor and especially the way that Chris Pine plays it kind of reminds me of Han Solo in the first Star Wars film and that uh, there's a lot of mystic uh, mystic mumbo jumbo going on and like you know Amazon I mean (laughs) is a super serious place where not a lot of humor goes down and there's a lot of I must find Aries and that sort of thing and he sort of levels it he sort of brings it down to sort of like just a a wry amount of cynicism just to keep everyone just sort of grounded a little bit and keep it real a little bit and I that's that was successful to the movie if, if you know it prevented it from becoming too much of a DC film let's put it that way
0: <laughs> right. yeah
4: that's I think exactly one of the things it.
6: I think one of the things I really loved about that scene is that Diana is uh, earnest and not hung up on social convention the way steve trevor is but she's not innocent either Mm -hmm. you know they're having all these conversations and she you know never seen a man before but she has read plenty she understands Mm -hmm. what goes on sometimes between men and women she just doesn't have the hang up about sleeping alongside men right she knows Mm -hmm. what she does and does not want to do She's perfectly happy either way, but practically speaking, it's better for both of them to sleep up on the front of the boat where they can stretch out. And uh, I thought she played that whole fish out of water thing with so much earnestness that it never felt uh, like we were taking Diana down a peg by putting her in a new environment. She was ready to learn. She was ready to be out there. But some things about what women are expected to do uh, in the early 20th century are just incredibly silly.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I like that they moved the movie because apparently that the comics start in World War II. I like they that do. they moved yes. to World yeah. War I because there's, yes. you know, the, oh, women don't even have the vote by, by World War I. And so there's mm-hmm. there's even more restrictions on women in that time period, both in the matter of their dress, their duty in society, that sort of thing. So there's even more barriers to sort of smash down. I think if, if you know, th- that's the, the, um, them. You know, always trying to sort of like stifle the reveal of her costume until until the grand moment in <laughs> No Man's Land. It feels more natural here because oh, you're you're barely dressed, you know, in 1917 or 18 right. or, or whatever. Not dressed, was.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where yeah.
3: it could have been like a USO tour or something if, if she was wearing that outfit in World War Two. So there, it wouldn't be as as out of place if you know what I mean. Right. Yes. Right.
4: Yeah. That was a good move. I I think the World War One move was brilliant. It was, It's kind of funny because yes. the very first trailer I saw, I was like, wait a minute, that's World War One isn't it? And then I second guess myself going like, no, no, she started in world war two. And then yes, they did choose world war one. Number one distances itself from captain America a bit, Mm -hmm. which I think was a good idea. And number two, as you all said, you know, the, the division between, uh, gender roles much stronger. And also the fact that world war one was the first, Global modern conflict killing people by the millions. Mm -hmm. um, That ties in with uh, with the mythos that uh, they used of Ares causing all Mm -hmm. of these problems and Wonder Woman having to go try to kill Ares. Um, I think you know World War II, yes, horrible and massive in its own way, but that was the second time around, and people had at least a grasp of. Of de- death on this scale by then. Well, and I think World War One fit in with the themes better that they created with uh, the Wonder Woman origin story with uh, her conflict with Ares.
2: Well, and also with, with the whole thing of, you know, uh, Ares idea that uh, I don't actually do this. It's them. They mm-hmm. do this. And so it doesn't matter if you kill me because they'll keep doing this. So that kind of works to go, all right, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves plot-wise here. But at the end when uh, yes, we've stopped it and World War One is over and we don't even call it World War One. It's the great war to end all wars. And of course it doesn't. And we know mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And the other the other thing I think, which was a very smart decision on their part, was at the end when Ares. Well, see, again, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's fine. Go but for it. at the very end, when Ares has been dispatched and uh, everyone is sort of released from that spell for a little bit. And and you see the, the Americans and the German soldiers kind of mm-hmm. relieved and everything. It's a little easier to watch German soldiers like that when they're not wearing swastikas.
5: That's what I was thinking
4: was moving to World War One meant no swastikas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And teenagers, boys. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. young teenage boys, because the World War One was the, the first one to take an entire generation of men and yeah. throw them into this conflict.
3: And one thing that I liked as 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 a Canadian is that oftentimes Hollywood will turn World War Two into an American war. Um, True. It, yeah. yes. Whereas World yeah. War One, yes. America arrived very late. This is unapologetically set in Belgium. You know, it yes. is a Belgian yeah. village that gets destroyed. There are Germans. Uh, yes, he's, it's all about you know, Europe. Exactly, it's all yeah. about Europe, and I thought that was from an American movie. Uh, that was that was somewhat bold to sort of like take that decision to move it away from the origins of the comic and place it in a ter- in a in an era that most Americans are a lot less familiar with. Mm-hmm.
5: Kelly, what were you going to say? Yeah, the thing I liked about also doing that was I feel like if they had tried to do this with World War II, Steve comes out of World War II and tries to sort of sell them on helping him stop the war that it's going to be a harder sell because like you guys have done this once already and i felt like that moment when he said you know millions of people women and children slaughtered weapons like nothing you have ever seen Mm -hmm. it's the end of the world that only could have been effective in world war one because you know by the time you get to world war 2 everything has to have an asterisk i know we said this once before but now we mean it you know i know mm-hmm. we 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 tried to tell you it was the war to end all wars but here we are again and so i really felt like that was one of the smart things to do with it and then also i felt like the current political climate and i don't know how much this entered into it but you know now with less swastikas was a super smart move on their part because it doesn't derail the discussion of the film right into something political whether you're talking about politics then or politics now and i thought that that was also a really smart way to just sidestep all of that entirely and i really liked how they did that and i liked um that it wasn't here and i liked that it wasn't an american war and americans charging in to save the day and like when you look at Who charges in, you know, the little fellowship that gets together to go off Mm -hmm. and stop the war is a woman who is basically not from Earth. You know, I mean, only technically in that she's made of clay, um, you know, so we've got her. We have an American. We have a Scotsman and we have a Native American who mm-hmm. has, I think, one of the a, a very nice moment with Diana in his own right when they have the discussion at the campfire that we could talk about. Right. Later. And I, and uh, uh, Sammy, who was from I don't know where, but um, I, I think he's is, Egyptian.
2: He's from Turkey. Is, <laughs> Oh, he's from Turkey. Yeah, okay. he's from Turkey. Okay. okay. Oh, well, that yeah. makes sense. So,
4: and it was kind of neat, that, that little band, because, you yeah. know, at first I'm wondering, we're like, do do we need this? We had, you know, Captain America had his ragtag group of folks, do we need this? And then I went looking online, that's actually a callback to a DC comic property, the Black Hawk Squadron yeah. from World War yep. II. So, it's like, yep. it's an Easter egg, I'll allow it, and it's a really good <laughs> Easter egg.
5: Yeah, and I really enjoyed watching the chemistry between all of them, like, again, yay casting. Like, this was a really fun group of people. I could totally imagine them, after spending all day shooting the scene where they celebrate with beers, that they all go out and celebrate with beers. Like, I could totally <laughs> envision that.
2: One yeah. of my favorite moments is when, when they're talking and they're sort of getting to know one another, and Sammy says, you know, I, I always wanted to be an actor, but I am the wrong the wrong race. I'm the wrong person. The wrong
0: color, yeah. I'm I'm the wrong, the wrong color. color.
2: And I immediately... I wanted to see a movie with the rest of them again. I just want yeah. to see them doing stuff because mm-hmm. they all of them were great characters and he was delightful and that is such a heartbreaking line and it is a very meta line.
1: Mm-hmm. In yes. the movie. And it's yeah. I think th- I think that, that that group and Diana's place in it is really important to to show us how she is discovering the world outside and and you know later on when she gets to the point where she's having her conversation slash showdown with aries the 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 feelings that she's developed for these people and the way that she has come to know them uh, is is a big part of how and why she's able to make the decision she does toward the end so yeah the the travel along with with these folks is is important and that those relationships deepen as she goes but i think it's I think the film does a nice job of showing the relationships they're sort of blooming. I mean, they already have their little their little team, and she is coming yeah. in as the the fresh part. But when you see them reacting to her jumping up and you know running across no man's land, which was an amazing, amazing action oh, sequence. Oh, yes. yes, it's it was it, that was just such a cool thing because you get to see them sort of discovering what she really is and each person's reaction to that, and then. the Fact that you know it's a it's a war movie trope that battle brings people together. So yes, though when they're having the beers afterwards and they're celebrating, it it feels earned and it feels like they have taken a step on their yeah in in their relationship. It's great. And
5: one of the things I loved about them was they didn't care like that that she was a girl Mm -hmm. they didn't care like and well i won't say they didn't care but it didn't seem to matter to them that she was that they were going to drop her off at the war that she was going to go off and do some sort of fighting or something like they just sort of took her at face value and then when that value changed like they didn't Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was really great it Mm -hmm. wasn't like they sort of treated her with kid gloves or anything
4: yeah Um, you know like before they they, 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 yeah they they one internalized. My, she can do that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Let's use this. Yeah, one of my small the crap favorite out moments. Of that
3: guy in the bar. Yeah, they realized <laughs> <Yeah. It's true. laughs> she can handle it.
5: <laughs> but then, even after that, one of the small things I noticed in the movie is when they're headed to the boat to go meet Chief. Um, as they're walking and they're having the conversation about a liar, a murderer, a smuggler, <laughs> uh, Charlie keeps sticking his arm out to her side to keep people from bumping into her. mm Hmm
0: yeah and i thought that was
5: just a really kind thing and that seemed like like they were very friendly even then you know that he was like you you know that he had a certain amount of respect for her you know like as a woman like he would have opened the door for her you know or whatever i felt like they they sort of were were still kind of formal and he was kind of you know trying to make sure that she wasn't getting bumped into by all these people and i thought that was a really a very small moment that was very nice that i really enjoyed
2: And one, I I loved when they're in the town. Once they've saved the town and they're celebrating, and. We, I mean, it's not like we take time to get to know anybody there, but we get to know the town. We get to know mm-hmm. the, the, the atmosphere of it and the feeling of it. And that comes back in devastating manner later in the movie.
6: Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. But that, that comes again to the feeling of there are consequences to things. Yes. You know, they really didn't shy away from making us fall in love with this little town where they found a moment of peace in this war. Um, and this was Diana's big first trip triumph against this right. war of saving these people saving this town and that all got taken away um, mm-hmm. so it's a very good moment of a, of a human tragedy in the loss of the village and the personal tragedy for Diana to lose all of these people that she had just saved uh, you know I thought that was so well done I, I can't believe they went there I can't believe they they really
1: committed to that and didn't back off from it and I think it was also a, a a kind of twofold important scene for developing the relationship between Diana and Steve, because during yes. the battle you actually have him running out with his with his buddies and you know getting that big piece of of metal and doing the shield thing. So it shows because that he's, he's seen <laughs> yep. them
4: do it before. Yeah, I love that bit too. He was that paying he was... attention
1: to to the battle enough and recognized that this is uh, this is a thing that she is capable of. This is a thing that I am not capable of. I am literally going to bend down and and kneel so that she can do this thing that That is amazing, and that I can't do. She
5: steps on my back. Yep, (laughs) yes, (laughs) to go (laughs) continue kicking ass way
2: up there. And the beauty of it is, it's both. You know, saying here I can be subservient, and you know, you can take the primary role, and it's also saying I'm a really smart, tactical, yep, person to do this, and a
4: team player, and that's a thing. You know, yes, she's taking the brunt of it, but they are functioning as a team. One of the things I also liked
6: about that was the way they portrayed the uh,
4: Scottish sharpshooter shooter's PTSD
6: right. in that in that everyone was super understanding and respectful of what it was that he was going through because that was also a major theme to come out of World War One is that you have all of these young men coming back with this incredible trauma and they don't really know how to cope with it, how to deal with it, how to diagnose or treat it um, and a lot of survivors uh, with PTSD and other forms of trauma were not treated very well right? Um, as a result of it so it was kind of nice to see this movie uh address it in a way that this group of people is going to understand uh the trauma that he is going through and be respectful of him and find other ways to
5: work around it Mm -hmm. i felt like that was another thing that um sort of gave diana evidence that that man is more Mm -hmm. than what aries is is chalking up to them and I re- that was one of the things I really enjoyed was that moment where she looked over and all three of them are like I'm out and they just held hands and put their heads together and waited for the end and I was heartbroken for them and yes I felt like them taking care of Charlie like he just that he is who he is and and uh, you know he doesn't mean anything by it and they were very understanding of him and like Chief still has a good relationship with Steve you know mm-hmm. who took this from you his people and you know and Sammy's declaration of of I'm just the wrong color like all of them it was exactly what Sammy said everyone's fighting their own battles just as you were fighting yours and I really liked that they all had this this love and affection for each other genuinely that Diana was getting and so the demonstration you know the the love that she believes in is not just I'm in love with Steve it was They love each other and they care about each other because they'd had this moment in the village with all these other people, you know, And that moment when like chief is refusing payment and, you know, Sammy's bringing beers around to everybody. And like all of those little things that happened in the village where we really get those moments, that was really fundamentally kind. And it was one of the parts of people that uh, I like to think about.
2: And Charlie yeah. was singing. he hasn't sung in years, years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it was it was it was kind of a breakthrough for for a lot of them in many ways. And I had to say that I found the the sequence with uh, Diane and Steve dancing at the end and then you know going yeah. up and, and getting on it on much more <laughs> sweetly sincere than a lot of similar romantic scenes in other movies, whether they be superhero movies or not because yeah. this is right. this is a film where sincerity, and earnestness are not treated as as, as syrupy. They are just right. a part of her character, and they are or a, a part of line. the world. And and they're surrounded by all of these, you know, this darkness and these battles that, like we keep saying, have actual consequences. It feels like like amidst all of that, it's a much more realistic feeling relationship.
2: Right, for, it's it's under. It's underplayed. Mm-hmm. It's realistic. It's human. And I loved that, you know, it starts off where it's like, well, you're you're standing awfully close. And he goes, well, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> how you do this.
1: Yeah,
4: that's right? how we and, want. And yeah.
2: in most movies and TV these days, it would continue being witty and snappy and funny. Mm-hmm. And it just gets very quiet as they both realize, oh, oh, you are standing a little close. And then we go to another place where they're going to stand a lot closer, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no smirking about it. There's no "Hey, look at me, I'm above average right mm-hmm. It's just this is the next step that we're taking,
3: and that's that right and And then it fades out to the next scene it it doesn't dwell on that, but what I love yeah. is that you know uh probably a typically a male directed film would probably have Steve Trevor go into that room, close the door. Chris Pine's Trevor in this movie hesitates, wonders where mm-hmm. this is going. Is mm-hmm. this is this is this what I think it is? Okay, I guess mm-hmm. it is. Now mm-hmm. I close the door. He, you know, he didn't assume he didn't yeah. assume that he was yeah, going to yeah. get some there. He, he you know it was what Diana wanted, and that's when he closed the door. That's what I really loved about that. It scene. was a beautiful moment. Yeah,
6: and it wasn't a prize. You know, Diana right. wasn't a prize that Steve mm. had won, and she was active, had agency in that very much, you know, a driving participant in all of that happening, which is just so, so rare to see um, in any movie, not just in the superhero genre uh, that that was that absolutely made that scene for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I want to we need to keep things rolling here. So I want to take sort of a sharp left turn and actually talk about the 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 villains in this, in this, and I'm not talking about Aries yet. Um, who actually did anybody else figure out who Aries was like on his first yep. appearance on screen? Okay, yeah, wow. I had an
4: inkling, and then I forgot that I'd had that inkling until the okay. reveal.
1: <laughs> but see, first,
2: ba- basically, you have David Thewlis in a movie, so he's going to be a bad guy. And because he's not always a bad guy. Well, he
0: was Remus Lupin. I know. (laughs) Which was
2: my
5: problem. I'm like, Remus Lupin can't be the bad guy, so this isn't the thing.
2: See, I've been watching Fargo, so I knew he was going to be the bad
0: guy. Uh
2: and, but, but. It, it was literally Chekhov's Ares. They kept harping on it and harping on it and harping on it <laughs> and with all of that you kind of go, yes, we're going to find out that it's not really a big deal because we know that the Second World War comes along, mm-hmm. but we're going to run into him and it's probably going to be David Thewlis. I didn't mean to go Casey Kasem there, but
0: that's how I felt.
3: <laughs>
2: that's-
0: that took
3: me by surprise. Maybe I was clueless as to how superhero movies work yes. like this, no. but I, and- I just thought he was a kindly I thought he was kind of like the Ray Fines, kinda of like M or Q in yeah, the bond. Especially movies. when he rolls yes. in and
5: like gives them the money and like, mm-hmm. yeah, she can run it from my office. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and what-
3: I and I've said I've said this before.
2: It's totally from being a writer. I I think about plot things, and I think about it. it's it's mm-hmm. when a movie can surprise me and still work in context of the movie. That is a fantastic thing. And it happens to me very rarely. I loved this anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I knew instantly as soon as he walks in. It's like, oh,
3: there
2: he is. Yeah. Well, and because it's got to uh, be a surprise, a right?
5: For seeing it again is now that you know. When you go back and you watch, mm-hmm. then all of it makes perfect sense. When you go in knowing who we're after, yep. Because of course he's going to send them to mess it up because he thinks they're going to mess it up and the war's going to get to continue. And then he and he totally is playing them from the moment they show up and when you start there then you know when you know going in that Lupin is the bad guy um (laughs) you end up you know when he first when she first walks into that war room where he's trying to talk about the armistice
2: and and he's so ineffectual at it right Mm -hmm. yeah he keeps getting interrupted and talked over and yeah you know it's like uh no he's he's playing something,
5: but at first, like i didn't at first, I didn't see it that way at all, and then, when I watched it the second time, I could see that um it wasn't surprise at the lady in the war room. it was surprised that she's off the island now
0: mm-hmm. Right. and oh right. isn't this an
5: interesting turn of events? I assume she's here for me, and I felt like that was a big moment for him which is you know the first time we see him because like that i feel like that's what's driving the rest of his actions through the movie is that he recognizes diana Mm -hmm. and when you go in knowing that's who that's what's gonna happen it's a little bit different when you watch him because i was like okay i'm gonna watch him this time now that i know that he's the bad guy because you see the weird stuff happen with ludendorff and all of the things that that he's up to and then he starts um You know huffing the little perfume samples and like his face (laughs) starts to light up and you know he turns into like superpowers like i sort of like it was to me the first time through it was very obvious oh well this is just him channeling his inner god you know and so this it's just peeking out you know in the in the light in his face and so you know so then i was sort of confused when she runs the sword through him and the roof and pins him there and like nothing changes i felt like diana at that point like nothing changed i don't understand (laughs) what's going on Mm -hmm. and so when you go in and you know that he's the bad guy and you watch him you can see him do that whole like wait no stop don't you know, yeah. like, like yeah. half-heartedly trying yeah. and, it and then playing everybody to his advantage. I thought we were leading up to a bait-and-switch that Dr. Maru
6: was going to be Aries, hmm. Like, uh, right up until the point yeah. uh, that David Thuleis showed up um, in that tower. I was thinking, see, okay, here's the bait-and-switch. We're going to get Dr. Maru now, and yeah. she's going to have been Aries all along, like that's manipulating him with the perfume samplers he was huffing. Then I was like, oh, my God, Lupin's the bad guy.
5: Yeah, and that's what I thought, too, when I was like, how is it not him? Well, obviously it's Dr. Poison. Like, that was right. totally where I went right. the first time through. Yeah.
2: Yeah, see, because I, I was going, it's going to be the least likely person. And, you know, and that's the twist. It's got to be a surprise. It's mm-hmm. not a surprise if it's one of the two of them. and But also when you go back and watch it now, it, it works beautifully because either they're going to screw it up or she's going to be seduced to his side because that's mm-hmm. part of what he's after at the end.
1: And either way, right. he comes out ahead.
2: Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's beautifully constructed that way,
1: and it's really beautifully constructed too because his argument, Ares' argument, that I don't make them do this. This is just them. I've you know I've given them some ideas, but they're the ones that choose to carry them out. That is absolutely the case with Ludendorff and and Doctor Poison because you know they they are the ones who who absolutely just completely killed that village that she that she fell in love in and with, and it was mm-hmm. it was it was it was human. Being beings all along that were doing this, which is kind of a sad Killed
4: their own own commanders that were getting ready to um, sign the armistice. It's like, oh, we're going to take care of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and like uh, like the first time I think we
5: see Ludendorff, he says, you know, I haven't eaten, I haven't slept. Like, what's your deal? Maybe we need to remind everybody that an attack can come at any moment. Let's do that. Bang. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: And it, and the thing I will say about this is that um, it was a very emotional final battle for me, as we talk about everybody bringing their own stuff and fighting their own battles, because I live in Portland. So this was just mm. barely a week after uh, the incident on The Max. Mm. So talking about how mankind is terrible and mankind is horrible and mankind does all this stuff to each other, like I was totally sitting in my seat going yeah I know uh, like it was very sad, like from here, because like I see that everywhere, like it's happening in downtown Portland right now as we record this as a matter of fact um so it was it was one of those things where it was it resonated with me personally, and you know everybody's sitting in my row, I'm sure, like as we were sitting there watching them talk- watching Aries talk about how humanity is so terrible and you know, yeah, it did. You know, it, it, he's absolutely right. I felt like, you know, it, I, I was like, yeah, I kind of see your point, dude. Like, there was a moment there where I'm like, yeah, he's kind of making a convincing argument. Like, we, we kind of do suck. And then when I knew it was him and we went back the next time, like, there was a lot of stuff going on in town where people have had, um, crazy amounts of money donated to the families and donated to the guy who survived so that he can pay all of his medical bills and uh, there's a company that donated a bunch of t-shirts that say peace on them and they like went down to the max stop and started giving them away to people and like there's still a bunch of flowers there and people are talking about a permanent memorial to these people and and that like all of that news started coming out on Friday so when when I when I get, went again on Friday uh, I felt like I sided more with Diana at the end you know like mm-hmm. they are more than that I'm like yeah actually we are you know we need <laughs> to be reminded of that so it was a very emotion very different emotionally uh, between seeing it Thursday and seeing it Friday for that reason you know and mm-hmm. it was really nice to sort of have that reminder and like
1: be sort of reassured i guess mm-hmm. yeah the the one piece of of his of Aries's argument that just didn't sit well for me and I don't think it was supposed to was his idea that okay so you have like you know if anybody in this movie could could be said to have been fridged it's Steve because he is the one who sacrifices himself and dies I mean at least he chooses to sacrifice himself so it's not like really a fridging but but so he dies and she explodes um, with her anger which I thought that was a great scene she did a a really nice job but then Ares is his point is sort of see he went and he left you alone so you should you should believe me and follow me and I was just like how dumb are you to like yeah. she's she's upset mm-hmm. because she cared about him uh, and uh, you totally misread the situation wow you must be a god of war and clearly not a god of love that's that's uh so <laughs> so then she goes on to to recognize that you know, people are better and, and 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 she's she becomes our wonderful Wonder Woman well, which I have to also say is nice that nobody said Wonder Woman at all in the entire movie uh, yeah yeah her, that's her, true her, re, her reaction to his to his death was was awesome and his reaction to her reaction to Steve's death was baffling to me.
4: The only downside for me for a lot of that is I thought David Thelwis was totally totally perfect as Sir Patrick and as he was Turning into revealing himself to be Ares, it was still okay. Once we were in the full-on God, I really kind of wish that they'd given him like a full-on helm that covered everything but his eye, because, yes. uh, but his eyes, because I'm sorry, th- that is Ares does not wear that whippy little mustache.
5: <laughs>
0: oh, yes. that, was that so distracted straight. me
4: sitting there you know he was
5: sitting there talking about after I felt Earth and I was too weak and whatever and they show him and he's like sad yeah. and unclad yeah, and looking up yeah. rocking that stash I was yeah. like oh you've got to was it the 70s and now it's World War One? I? I don't understand what happened here yeah that's, that's,
2: that's it's it's kind of it's the why the USS Enterprise makes noise in space it's so we can remember who he is because we can't possibly figure that out but I think, <laughs> I think that was a Zack, a Zack Snyder thing I don't think that was the director cuz mm. that's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest and the rest of this movie
3: is not dumb that way. Well, there was still a confrontation between the two. There still had to be dialogue between the two, so that's you know uh, that's why they couldn't necessarily turn
4: We've got ears. We've got ears. We can hear him. <laughs>
3: you just see this, you know, There, there is a, a thing to be said about uh, about humanity in movies. And if it was just sort of a CG monster, I think we would sort of lose that connection a little bit. And I think well, at least we can see the eyes and the mouth moving of, of the human that's under. Perhaps his mustache should have singed off, I suppose. Yes. When he was, yes <laughs> that maybe we'll go for that.
5: I will give
6: one very brief defense of uh, his statement about uh, he's gone and left you alone. Um, Because that, to me, didn't actually feel odd. Um, I, uh, from a family uh, where people have served in uh, the U.S. military, um, particularly the U.S. Navy, I've got many friends who's had um, people serve uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, and— The thing that strikes me about the grieving process for people who serve um, in the military and put themselves in risky situations is that usually the anger part of of that Mm -hmm. grief is they've gone and left you, that nobody forced them, um, at least for people who served after the draft. Um, And Mm -hmm. even then, uh, many people who served during the draft had options to get out, as did many of my family members who could have gone uh, to a higher education uh rather than uh serve in the military at that time. Um the the anger part of that is you did not have to go and serve in this conflict. Uh you did not have to take that action, um, that self sacrifice uh to protect other people. Um or in the case of what Steve's doing here you didn't have to go and decide that you and you alone could save everybody and decide to sacrifice yourself. That that anger part of grief that, uh, that someone has made the decision to leave you is very real. And I think the thing with Steve that struck me with Aries is that Steve is another one of, in a way... Ares' warriors. He's not in love with war the way Ares is, but he's participating in the conflict. He's doing his best that he can to end the conflict, but he is participating in it. Um, And Diana even expresses some discomfort at how Steve is valuing lives and how he's choosing to accept certain missions and who he's choosing to go in and save. So for me, that made perfect sense that this this might be a moment to convince Diana that, uh, man, is weak, man will continue to uh, act out and be violent, um, and that could have been seen as another failing of Steve's for Diana. I'm glad
1: that Diana reacted the way she did, but that moment, to me, didn't seem at all odd. Thank you for putting it that way, because that is something I had not considered, and now that moment sits much better with me. Thank you.
2: <laughs> that that moment didn't seem odd to me either, also because, uh, I mean, I, and this is part of my Thing I didn't entirely buy his resolution to this. I don't think that was the best way to to resolve things. But in flying the plane up and getting it out of the way of everybody else, he's showing that he's valuing everyone else who's on the ground. He could have blown it up on the ground and Mm -hmm. that would have... You know, wiped out everybody else who was there, but he took it out of the way by himself. And now he's valuing only his he's valuing everyone else's lives above his own instead of saying, well, I'm going to make a choice and destroy this here. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll survive and we'll go off and do whatever. Um, So it kind of made the sacrifice a little more meaningful. I still don't quite buy Mm -hmm. it as an ending, but. And he that's did it without a quip, too, which is nice. Right. You know, even yes. like, oh, it meant and, something. And he hesitated yeah. and he right. thought about yeah, it and exactly. you saw him thinking. And that's another thing I love. I love to see characters think on stage and screen. I don't care where. And you don't get to see that often enough.
5: I really like and he I don't thinks want to say I pretty. enjoyed it, but I was really <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> impressed with that. And then when yeah. we get the playback later where you can hear him and he tells diana i can save the day but you can save the world and i really liked that he it sort of felt like he'd done the math on all of that you know even when when he said i need you guys to give me some cover i'm running to the plane or whatever it was you know and they all tried to talk him out of it and then he finds her and gets the chance to talk to her for a second and then goes up and that was the thing like he did hesitate and and you watch him like It sort of felt like when he grabs her lasso, when he tells her they're going anyway and that he Mm -hmm. lied, you know, Mm -hmm. we're all going to die. This is a a terrible idea. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and I sort of felt like he was thinking about that Like, I even said this was a terrible idea And it's sort of like working through it in his head And he's like, but it's what I have to do Right. And, you know, I know that there's a certain amount of that That probably had to happen for story reasons And, you know, one thing another Like, we can't make another movie with Steve Trevor And da-da-da-da Especially oh, if we're going to say I have ideas now yeah. <laughs> You know, and, well, he can come back to be in Edda's movie He's good at yes. second fiddle to the lady, mm-hmm. so yep. we should just do that more where it's the Etta show with the occasional appearance you
4: know, and special guest, Steve Trevor. I'd be into that. See, yeah. Oh, no, I, I've got ideas for the sequel. They could do it if they really want to.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wonder my, Woman's my, rogues
4: gallery has witches, has magic users. Uh, they, that's they, right. Stuff can Ooh. be done. My stuff people, can be done. My
2: big problem with it, and this is... This is the Zack Snyder influence is that uh, Diana needs to be free to flirt with Bruce Wayne and I don't yeah. want her flirting with Bruce Wayne. She Ew. she no. and Steve Trevor, that's Wonder Woman. Come on. He's but, not good but, enough for her But no. Zack Snyder especially
5: Zack not Snyder, that version.
2: Zack Snyder has proven in several films now that he totally misunderstands Batman Superman and all the rest of them. so of course mm-hmm. it's gonna be.
4: <sighs> yeah, God.
2: Anyway, hi, I've started, haven't I? Uh, but well so yeah i can i can go ahead and do it very quickly because that's you know that's part of it is uh i love so much of this movie and then it comes to the big climactic battle scene beautifully shot beautifully choreographed that's fine it's from a totally different movie and i don't care There's too much of it, it's too big, it is straight out of Zack Snyder's fevered imagination, in the middle of this really good movie otherwise. And I don't know how I would have ended it, I don't know how I would have done it differently, but I you know i kind of just tuned out after a while it's like well i've seen this i've seen x-men i've seen batman and superman i've seen man of steel i don't care show me something new the rest of the movie showed me something new and you're ending it like a zack snyder movie
4: did anybody else have that same feeling i can see david's point i don't think i've seen enough superhero movies to be totally tired of it but um but i can i can see the possibility
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's the only one you've seen, then it it would work. That's fine, not the I'm only sure. one
4: I've seen, but uh, no, 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 I know I know it fits the beat. As you said, right. it, it fits the beat of a typical superhero movie, which is not necessarily what we've gotten to this point.
3: Right. It was. I, I mean, I usually get bored by two invincible beings going up against each other, but I feel that the actions in the fight were sort of earned and deserved, and it wasn't gratuitous in any way, and there wasn't. They weren't there just to show off the moves, so to speak. I think that I think that it had just about the right amount. I usually get bored by those things. I was but, not bored by that uh, by the fight scene. And now that you mention it, now that I think
2: about it, um, we've seen the effect of crossing her bracelets early on. Mm -hmm. Why didn't she just do that like 10 minutes earlier? (laughs) But she lifts a tank and she does this and she does that and Mm -hmm. she does that. And then finally, what, what beats him crossing her bracelets? Well, Duh, you know. So yeah, I, it was it was Zack Snyder dumb. Mm-hmm. To me. I That's felt like what it was for me.
1: It was it was longer than it needed to be. I yeah. yeah I but the, yeah. but the the fight and I think even the the style of the fight of the two super beings was kind of important because all of the other fight scenes in the movie you know had consequences were war based fight scenes. But the whole thing was this is her journey from a right. little girl on an island to recognizing the god god that she is and and coming into those powers fully and I think if we didn't have this sort of you know god level conflict at the end it wouldn't have been a full uh, a full circle sort of a thing of her her coming into her own in the way that she should have but I do agree that I didn't need as much of it as I got
2: right and it and it totally makes sense that way mm-hmm. and and yeah I think I think it did need something like that I, I just wanted it to be smarter the way the rest of the movie was
1: mm-hmm
5: I think I could have done with a little less of it and then, you know, a few minutes, not not cut it in half or anything like that, but a little bit less of that and a tiny bit more sort of aftermath standing there, you know, finding out a little bit about about the characters we know and like, where is Dr. Poison you know after all of this because Mm -hmm. Diana didn't throw the tank on her and you know does she sneak off so that now we have another story possibility for something down the line or whatever and you know getting to plant some seeds for other stuff like I would have been nice with a couple three minutes of just that there as the sun rose you know and and those excruciatingly young guys are taking off the gas masks Mm -hmm. and marveling at the sunrise uh, was I thought that part was really powerful and i felt way more invested in that sort of aftermath than i was in a good portion of the battle Mm -hmm. that preceded it yeah well
2: and because because again we know she's going to win so there's not a lot of suspense there so why drag it out do enough but yeah
5: yeah i figured it was to serve the, the conversation they were having
1: yep and i didn't necessarily know that she was going to to defeat him and kill him i mean for because since i don't know much about the the comic books i didn't know if he was she was going to just let him go and be like you know what you're right it is them Hmm. so you might as well just go live on a mountain somewhere i'm gonna keep trying to help humanity but no she actually destroyed him and i you know i appreciated the size of the crater that was impressive
0: yes yeah yeah
1: (laughs) it was above average (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we have been going at this for quite a while, so I think we should go around and do a do a round of final thoughts before we before we close things out. So, uh, Alyssa, what what are your final thoughts on Wonder Woman? Take everyone you know to go see this. Take your daughters,
6: take your friends, take random strangers on the street and bring them in. I think this is really just a fantastic movie to show a unique uh version of the hero's story um and i'm also just really invested in seeing a, a movie helmed by a woman and directed by a woman really make it big be successful uh and sort of own that victory so everyone should go see this if you have not seen it yet
4: here here
1: steven final thoughts
3: uh, I hope this leads to many more female-directed, uh, female-driven movies. I would be happy to see female-directed, male-driven movies because even that is a different perspective that we don't have much of. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. hope this. Uh, I hope this leads to at least two. I don't want one so that the press will automatically compare this one to the to the last one, and as they always seem to do. Here, here. Uh, so it's it's uh, you know I like to watch for. I'm a Doylist. I like watching how directors do things. And, you know, the best, this is the best comic book movie I've seen in some time. And I think one of the best movies I've seen ever was edited by a woman, that being Mad Max Fury Road. I appreciate the feel yeah. perspective yes. on action movies. Uh, they deserve to have more chances to shine.
4: All right, Shannon. Um, I, echo both of those things go see it uh, give us more women telling these stories um, I also appreciate that the movie had I think just the right balance of fan service I mentioned the easter egg of the um, of the Blackhawk squad um, the fight in the alleyway where she gets the bullet on her bracelet in front of him goes back to the <laughs> Superman Christopher Reeve scene you know th- th- so many wonderful little bits In there um, that really, really work, um, whether you know the comics or the history or not. um, I just think uh, they found a really good, again, balance in so many different ways.
1: Mm -hmm. David, final thoughts.
2: I I agree with everybody. I, you know, and even even with my Zack Snyder reservations, uh, I loved this movie. This is one of the best comic book movies I've ever seen. It it gets what, and I've said this on other episodes about comic book movies, it gets the essence of what it is to be heroic, that you can be heroic because it's just the right thing to do, right? And that's part of when she says, you know, what would I be if I stayed? That's that's the core of being a hero. And Man of Steel didn't get it. Batman vs. Superman didn't get it. Uh, a lot of the Marvel movies do right they make the choice and she makes that choice too because this is what i have to do and i don't i can't i can't not do it right and who would i be if i didn't do it and it's just nice to see that it's nice to see the earnestness played for what it is to just you don't have to have this ironic smirk at everything you see right and mm-hmm. and especially setting it in that time period too helps to emphasize that to say this was a more innocent time, and that's okay. Um, so yeah, I'd take take everyone you can to see it. Tell everyone to see it. Go see it more than once. It's just really well done, and and yep. and the chemistry between them. That's part of why I was upset about his ending because I want more movies of the two of them <laughs> together. They were yeah. so lovely together. Yeah, they
4: can do it if they really want to. Yep.
1: You
0: can yep. <laughs> Keep banging and that they drum, better. Me? I will better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Kelly, close us out what are your what are your final thoughts? Um, all of that
5: go see it. It was super fun. Um, if you are a person whom I personally know, I will gladly go with you again. <laughs> I will hold your hand and supply Kleenex as necessary um, <laughs> and the thing for me for about this movie was um i'm sad it took until i was basically an adult for it to happen but Mm. i'm really happy that it did because if it hadn't taken this long uh we wouldn't have gotten the movie we got and you know and let until unless and until all of the other stuff happened um that that got the movie to this point where it finally did get patty jenkins and it finally did get uh gal gadot and it did get chris pine and it did get robin wright like it's if it had been before now, we wouldn't have gotten those people. And so, you know, it's it's uh, that thing that Leslie Jones said on SNL that I always think of. You know, somebody fired Oprah when she was 23. Well, of course they did. She wasn't Oprah yet. And she had to get fired in order to become Oprah. You know, <laughs> and I feel like that's, what this, that's how this movie went. So I was sad not to have it when I was a little girl. But I'm really glad that this is the one that the world gets to see. And I'm really glad because it's so good it's objectively good and maybe now we'll get a black widow movie and maybe now we'll yeah. get um a, you know like I'm going to say this for girls for for Gail Simone herself there needs to be a birds of prey movie and maybe now that will be a thing or here, maybe here. we'll get the secret yeah. 6 or something like because it's it's not that this is a novelty it's not that this is weird it's just a good movie and There's a lot to be done for good movies, you know, just objectively. And I I really liked... uh, the The statement about like a, a woman's perspective on on any particular story is, is different and interesting, and we should see that. And given the number of reboots and sequels and prequels that go on now, uh, one of the trailers for the movie when I saw it was a Transformers trailer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. they're doing that again. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, deep sigh and eye roll. Um, for <laughs> me, like I don't want to see that so much as I want to see, you know, what's the next. Patty Jenkins movie or who worked with Patty Jenkins who's going to go direct their own movie and and what's that going to be about and how is that going to be interesting and that's what I want so I really hope that this sort of becomes a, a mile marker um, you know the way Star Wars was a big deal space movie like maybe this will be the big deal girl superhero movie and now we will get more of them because people will understand it does make money and you do sell tickets to girls and you can sell tickets to boys even if the movie stars a girl and <laughs> you know it really would have been okay if you had called the movie princess of mars and like yeah there's a whole bunch i have a lot To bring to this But for me That's what I want Is for this In a fabulous pair of boots To kick down that door So that more of this Can happen
1: Here here Kelly one of the things That that you said Was that you were sad For yourself That you didn't get This movie When you were A little kid And I think one of my favorite things about the existence of this movie is the fact that there are a ton of little girls who do Mm -hmm. have this movie now and all of the pictures that i saw on twitter of little girls dressed up as wonder woman and just Mm -hmm. being so excited about it like that uh, that just warms my heart i'm really really excited and i I echo everything everybody else has said about hoping that this means that there will be more because i think that those little girls deserve more than just a single awesome movie um they they should be able to get more they should also be able to get some some female-led movies that fail and and have that be okay because lord knows we've had enough dude ones Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and
2: maybe grow up not to just be heroic and do good things themselves but to grow up and write and direct movies too
1: yep yep Yep. Yep. exactly so thank you everybody for joining me shannon thanks so much for being here always a pleasure Mm -hmm. Alyssa. it's been fantastic Mm mm-hmm Steven, I know that I sort of uh, didn't give you a choice, but thank you anyway.
3: (laughs) He knows when to be subservient. Exactly. I know know my role and I know my place. uh, And I was happy to be here with you all today. (laughs) David,
2: as always, thank you for being here. Well, as always, thank you, not Jason. I think
1: you are also above average. (laughs) (laughs) And Kelly, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. It was a really fun time. Mm -hmm. And again, I am Erica Ensign, and we'll see you hopefully with Jason back in his chair next time on The Incomparable.